Today's episode of On to Waveland is brought to you by Game Time. Okay, folks, time for a little pop quiz. Do you think Cubs tickets are cheaper three weeks or three hours before the game? You can find out the answer with Game Time, the ticket buying app that proves patience is more than just a virtue. It can save you some serious cash. Game Time is the leader in last minute tickets. Pick your deal, see the view from where you're sitting, and buy in two taps. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the Game Time app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. So download Game Time in the App Store or Google Play, work that clock to your advantage, and score last minute tickets. Hey folks, welcome into On to Waveland. It's the Cubs podcast. It is the off season, and I I feel like I have to say up front. Sorry, we didn't have a Thursday episode. I will wear the uh, I will wear the criticism of having said loudly and proudly since uh, I am leaned on for the intros and outros to this bad boy that uh, we would be back at you on Thursday that uh, we were not back at you on Thursday. Sorry about that. That's my misunderstanding of the schedule. We are, however, back at you on Monday. Uh, it is... Oh, sorry. I just uh, had a, a total mind blank of how I was going to do that. Adam, you can uh, you can clip <laughs> out about uh, 10 seconds of this. I cut out most of what you say anyway. <laughs> <laughs> or you can leave it in now. When the, when the producer jumps in, and and does a funny, you know, you gotta you gotta leave that stuff in. It's the off season. Uh, so anyway, obviously the Cubs are not playing in the postseason right now, which leaves open uh, normally a pretty sizable gap in the things that you would have to talk about. But I think as most fans understand, it's a going to be a significantly transformative period of time for the organization, not only for. The, all of the obvious things that we talked about in the second half of the season, roster turnover, things of that nature, uh, but also because the Cubs are uh, deep in a managerial search right now. And we'll get to that in a moment. But since we last spoke here on the podcast, uh, President Theo Epstein had his end of season presser, uh, almost an hour and a half of discussion about all of the things that uh, everybody wanted to hear about. And although I would say it wasn't necessarily profoundly illuminating about what the Cubs are going to do. Not that you would expect that. Uh, it did really, I think, confirm uh, quite a bit of what people were expecting in terms of um, the organization needing to see this as a period for change um, and kind of wanting to toe that line between recognizing that there are maybe two years left in this window, but also acknowledging that it's not necessarily going to be the right approach to continue to be so balls out um, in this period and, and just trying to say, okay, this is the core that we have. We will, you know, do everything we can to augment around this core and just let it play out for these two years. I think, I think there's an understanding that it's going to have to be a, um, a, a widened scope a little bit in terms of what the Cubs are going to be over the next few years. And so, um, I guess, I mean, most people have heard the comments by now, but I just, I wanted to hit you guys up in terms of what stuck out to you from Epstein's, uh, press conference in terms of, did anything hit you like, okay, yeah, that's, um, 
that's something that we'll be thinking about this offseason or, okay, that confirms that they are kind of seeing things the same way that we are. However you want to put it, Epstein was careful, and I think he even mentioned this, to avoid, um, he didn't yeah. want to get hammered with buzz phrases, which I think we joked about uh, last week. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, what, what do you guys got? What stuck out to you? I mean, I think the theme of change was was pretty evident. And, you know, uh, there are those that, that kind of don't fully uh, grasp why uh, Madden is let go or trying to dig in for, you know, maybe more openness of, oh, there was a rift. Oh, we just had a difference in philosophy. And it, it seems like Theo's hammering the change idea while also, you know, mentioning without without putting it on Madden that, yes, there are some different philosophies that we'd kind of like to implement. And I think even Mark Loretta in a recent radio interview kind of talked about a lot of the stuff that Patrick and I wrote about back in spring training, uh, you know, the team being more together in uh, needing to be more together in their activities is certain, you know, you know, working infield together, batting practice, uh, preparing more together. And Theo hammered that uh, last Monday. He, he, he mentioned change, either the word change or a new dozens of time. It, it felt like kind of starting a new uh, how drastic that means as far as the roster is going to be really interesting to see for me. Watch that unfold. Uh, but I mean, clearly there's change coming. We, there's a new manager. There's going to be a new manager. We've talked about the front office change that is coming and that's that they're in the process of really executing right now. Uh it's just going to be a lot of I know right now it's words and a lot of fans are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We've heard this the last two off seasons until we see change. We're not going to believe it. I'd really be shocked if he's not pretty aggressive in trying to switch things up with this team. I really do believe they they felt something was lacking with the group. And whether that's on Madden, whether that's on the players, whether that's on the front office, I don't think that you know we can we can debate that over and over again and I think there's fair ways to you know kind of uh place blame all over the place everywhere and I think everyone does deserve a little bit of the blame but clearly they believe something's missing from that clubhouse <clears throat> and and a group that uh I I keep thinking back to other teams that either you know made it to the postseason or are still alive and and think about how the Cubs compare to them in various ways. You look at the Brewers, the Cubs, I, I think it's hard to say that the Cubs on paper aren't more talented. Uh, you know, w w if you're saying that they just not good enough to make the playoffs, I look at the Brewers and I say, look at that team. Look at who they made it without. Look at how well they played in September without some of their best players playing even at their best or injured. And they still made it there. I think the Cubs see that and say something's missing from our group. They look at the Yankees and see all these players that were castoffs or whatever they were. You know, like the, the other teams, talented, good teams like Cleveland and St. Louis couldn't maximize certain talents. And, and they're able to do that. Why can't the Cubs do that? You, you, the Astros, the Dodgers. Why aren't the Cubs developing players like these teams? Uh, just look at the playoff teams and, and you'll see what the Cubs are envious about. That's another word that Theo Theo used. He, he I, I think he caught himself uh, while saying that and said, like, they're envious of us. And, I, and I'm trying to figure out what, what are teams envious about the Cubs right now? Because there, there's nothing to be envious about the Cubs right now if you're a top-tier club. There's just no reason to be. And, and I think it, maybe that seems harsh, 
but you try and tell me what what are the Cubs doing great right now that we've seen. It's hard to pinpoint that. And you can say that about just the big league team in general or the organization as a whole. It's hard to say, hey, these guys are elite at this. And, and they're just not. And I think that f- drives Theo nuts. And he's trying to figure out a way to get back to that tier. Yeah, I mean, first off, I want to send best wishes to Joe Madden in retirement and his decision to walk away from the Cubs. <laughs> oh, no, sorry. That that uh, tearjerker video the Cubs sent out really just kind of hit home. And uh, yeah, with all the great things it they've was, been saying about him and the video, video. it's just it like a sweet video. too much. Just own it, Cubs. You want Joe gone. Okay, we'll see if that's the right decision or not. But uh, my head uh, is, I just feel very disoriented uh, after the way uh, this whole Madden thing has unfolded that, you know, for... Um, whatever it was last since last November, we kind of saw this coming and it came very sharply into focus through this season. Um, and I've just kind of had enough of the, you know, thank you, Joe sentiments. Um, it, it just, it just feels like the Cubs are trying to have it both ways. And I just had to get that off my chest. And then I think it'll be uh, interesting to see, you know, I think the, Kind of this year's reckoning, reckoning, or kind of the concept that even Theo admitted, you know, he knows sometimes he says things that just get thrown back in his face repeatedly, which is awesome. <laughs> um, is just this idea of, you know, maybe we looked back on, you know, we're guilty of looking back on 2016 too much, and then people automatically were like, well, that means David Ross isn't the manager. When, um, I think it's pretty obvious that they've been grooming him for this job, whether or not he gets it right now um i think they've clearly laid the groundwork uh for him to come in and you know if he's the manager and if they kind of go out into the marketplace and realize wow you know our players teams don't really aren't as enamored with our players as we were for years and that you know it sounds great the shock value of trading chris bryant but then you kind of look at it well no one's giving us anywhere close to what he brings to us and oh yeah we're still trying to win the world series um next year so it'll be fascinating to see you know how much you know is, is real change on the roster in terms of what the manager has to work with and how much is these structural changes in the front office, kind of the new systems that they'll try and bring in. And then I guess, you know, if you turn over 20% of the roster by getting rid of kind of like the Almora, Bodie, Russell, and kind of reshaping your bullpen, I guess that is, you know, a significant uh, amount of change. But um, I think we're all kind of curious to see how far is Theo really willing to go to prove that he wants to uh you know mix this up yeah i'm glad you sent it in that direction because i wanted to comment on um and i have to put this delicately because i know i'm still i'm still like sculpting the way that i'm gonna talk about this throughout the off season so that i'm not accused of um just of being um of carrying any water uh because i i don't necessarily mean it in any evaluative way it's more just an observation I wonder because, you know, I'm watching the postseason and like Sahad have said, I'm seeing the way that these teams are winning. Um, and of course it's with um, 
you know, very talented players that perhaps any team could have had access to. Um, but by and large, you're talking about teams that are succeeding on the strength of players that they either drafted and developed and um, brought out into a performance window or that they acquired and developed additionally thereafter. And I'm looking at particularly the pitchers on these teams, and it's just nightmarish stuff after nightmarish stuff. And you look at the Cubs, and although they have really have done an admirable job at times of performing very well on the pitching side of things with a, a really different model, I do think that everyone has seen where it comes home to roost, that if you... Um, do suffer from disappointing free agent contracts and you do suffer injuries, uh, having the ability to call upon young players to backfill, uh, the Cubs have had some success, but what they haven't had are guys that they developed into superstar level relievers or starters. And you just, you see that nastiness on other teams and you realize the deficiencies that the Cubs are facing, um, and this applies to positional breakout guys, too. Um, I think that the deficiencies the Cubs are facing may indeed be on the roster and may be addressable in an offseason on the roster. But I think the reality is we're talking about a three or four year process of revitalizing the, the entire way the Cubs um, operate the minor league structure to become a development powerhouse for the big league team and I think a lot of those changes the, the good news is I think a lot of that work started a year and a half ago on that side of things I think there was a recognition of where they had fallen starkly behind the top teams in terms of the way they develop players um, but I'm not entirely sure that we will see the fruits of those changes, even as it continues apace this offseason. I think we'll see lots of changes on that front. And we've already we've already seen some shuffling in the front office in terms of roles and duties and personnel, creation of different positions, et cetera, et cetera. I think we're going to continue to see a ton of that. I just am not sure we're going to see the fruits of that for a long time. And so then we circle back to um, what Patrick's getting into. And it's like, okay, well, what, what will the big change look like this offseason even if that's a an organizational focus realistically what can be done and so I think we can probably use that as a transition to the to the obvious first thing I think the the precursor to all of this and not not necessarily because it dictates what the roster will be but it's more of just like a chronological thing is the Cubs are going to settle on the manager and um, I think it's interesting how right now the the four known candidates uh, who either have or will be interviewed. You've got three guys who are attached to the Cubs organization organization already. You got Mark Loretta, the bench coach who got an interview, was brought in as sort of a guy who developed as a front office member, worked in player development, and then got that coaching experience. I mean, he fits the the modern mold of a manager to a T. Uh, and yet he was a part of a year where the the messaging is we need to we need to change some things and so it's it's interesting and it's I thought it was interesting to listen to the interview that Sahadev mentioned it was on six seventy the score, um, Loretta very clearly speaks the front office's language and I think he was doing a good job of trying to walk that line of appreciating his role 
in what this year was and working under Joe Madden, but also trying to step back and, and, and discuss the things that maybe needed a different approach. Um, and then, of course, we've got David Ross, as Mooney mentioned, uh, it seemed like for many years he, he's been groomed to be the guy and maybe he will. But he, too, has this longstanding connection to the organization. And you wonder, what does change look like if it is him? And then again, Will Venable, same same kind of discussion. Then you've got Joe Girardi, who is the, the in vogue name guy who's been attached to the Cubs uh, at various points throughout this front office's tenure, even going back to some of the early hires uh, to be manager before Joe Madden. And he'll come in for an interview and he, he, his reputation and his background and his application of, of the way he relates to players in the clubhouse uh, stands in pretty stark contrast to what we have seen in the Joe Madden era. And so, you know, if you were, if, if the entire motivating factor between um, moving on from Joe Madden was, boy, we just want a really different presence in the clubhouse. We want change. Well, then you understand why Girardi would would at least get an interview. And so I, I do think it's going to be very interesting to see how the managerial search and conclusion are framed in terms of these overarching organizational dictates for what the offseason should be, even though we recognize it's like the manager is is only going to be an extension of the front office insofar as we talk about roster change. You know, it's not like a manager is going to come in and overhaul the roster. That's all going to have to happen in tandem. And so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really, in, I'm really curious to see how next week plays out with the additional interviews. And then also if, and when the Cubs are able to speak to any, um, coaches and other candidates that are involved with playoff teams right now. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how how long they really push this out. If if it is kind of like Ross is their guy and they're just making sure they go through the motions, making sure they don't make a big mistake here because there's some can't miss miss uh, managerial candidate that they, you know, kind of skim over because they're so focused on Ross. Uh how are they going to handle these next few weeks? Are they going to wait for the Astros to be eliminated before talking to Joe Espada? Uh, guys like that. I mean, that, that that's just one name that I, I'm not saying that they're that's who they're waiting for. Or that's who they're, you know, zeroing in on beyond Ross. Uh, but that's just one name that you keep hearing about and, and you wonder, do you, do you want them to, would it be smart for them to at minimum interview some of these guys from some of these better organizations and kind of see what they can dig out while, while talking to them, you know, for how these are, these are pretty extensive interviews from what I've heard. It's not like, you know, 30 minutes in and out, uh, they're, they're extensive and, and you can get a lot of information if you, if you go about things the right way. So is that something that they're, they're looking to do? Uh, I think you mentioned, uh, something about trades that made me think of something that Theo said, uh, one of the things he said, I, I don't know how much he's showing his hand here, but uh, he's talking about, you know, when you when you look at trades, you also need to look at w what's your organizational depth and what's your wh what do you have to uh, what, what do you how do you kind of evaluate these players yourself? What's their value on the market and what's your organizational depth right at that position, which makes me think that makes me go back and forth on how aggressive they are with Bryant, right? What's his, I mean, Mooney gave a, brought up a good point. What's his value on the market right now? How many teams that are going to be, would be aggressive for a player like Bryant 
have a hole at third base. And if they don't have a hole at third base, how aggressive are you going to be for a left fielder or a right fielder, right, is what he'd end up being, or a first baseman, whatever, wherever you want to play him, because he's not playing, he's not your everyday center fielder, he's not playing up the middle defense. Uh, what can the Cubs get for him? especially when you're talking about who's going to be their starting third baseman if he if it's not him. Same thing uh same thing as far as depth wise, who are you replacing Javi Baez with, right? And I'm talking about these outland I shouldn't say outlandish, but very aggressive core moves. They you're I think the most logical one when you look at an aggressive core move it's Contreras, but then you tie back into the fact that how much are they going to spend this offseason and what does that do for them as far as spending? It doesn't free up any money. Uh, so there's a, it's going to be an interesting interesting to kind of how do they evaluate, how do they decide who they're moving on from. Uh, and you have the same questions kind of with Ian Happ and Kyle Schwarber. Maybe Schwarber has a little bit more value on the market, but is it that much more because we've just, you know, he finally showed what what he could be over a half season? Is that enough uh, for teams to suddenly start paying more for Kyle Schwarber? Is Ian half valuable because he's so versatile and suddenly shown maybe, hey, this guy can take coaching and, and uh, take in some adjustments and, and implement them? Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know if any of that is possible. And I, I remember what, what, may, what you said that made me kind of trigger another thought. It was how quickly can this stuff be implemented as far as the changes in the background. I think that's an interesting question. Is it is it more about uh, how quickly can you teach a player that or how quickly can the whole philosophy kind of, uh, you know, be taught to other coaches and, and really be implemented throughout the organization? Because I think we've seen how quickly you can kind of coach a player up. I mean, there's so many acquisitions that uh, various teams that are in this top tier have made and they've helped these players almost, I shouldn't say instantly, but almost instantly. In some cases, with Garrett Cole, it was almost instantly. With Justin Verlander, he got be- he was always great, but he got better. Uh, you know, with so many different Yankee players, these are guys that they just acquired over the offseason, and, and they got them to perform at a higher level in 2019. So if you can implement that, I guess the question would be more, how quickly can you implement these philosophies throughout the organization? And it's definitely something I was was trying to figure out and it's something if if once we figure out who these new people are i'd love to talk to them about that and and try and figure out how how do you plan on implementing this and how quickly can you hope to see some dividends from from these changes because it it can't just be the the low a uh high upside pitcher is now maximizing his talent and is a top prospect because then you're not talking about this window of 2020 and 21. You're, you're talking down the road, right? So, so you want to see some of these guys uh, be able to implement these practices with, with a free agent signing or a key trade that nobody was really paying attention to that turns into Rowan Wick or someone better, even more impact uh, than, than guys like that. And that's really what you're looking for. Yeah, I also think it's important to note that I think the, the Cubs have pushed back uh, – to a degree on this level uh on this idea that like this was some sort of flawed roster and i think it'll be curious to see how much of this idea of change is kind of lip service and trying to not make it look like they're burying joe madden uh on his way out they're obviously these realities in terms of payroll um what other teams would be willing to give up to get uh 
some of these players. Uh, you look at how the Cubs certainly noticed the way Alex Cora showed up in Boston and kind of flipped a switch, and they won, you know, was like 108 games in the, in the World Series last year. So I know they realize they need to make changes. They've recognized some weaknesses, but I think they're also – you know, extremely prideful uh, of what they've done. And um, part of me is a little bit skeptical uh, to see just how much they're willing to kind of, you know, tear this down uh, and rebuild something from scratch. And that's why I think Joe Girardi is an excellent candidate. Uh, He certainly has a great resume, but just knowing how close Theo is with uh, Yankees general manager, Brian Cashman, uh, how much he, respects him uh i'm just wondering what he's heard about girardi over the years and i just have a hard time envisioning him really walking into that interview being like this is the guy and maybe girardi uh changes some of those perceptions and changes his mind but certainly the way what you're describing is hot of in terms of what the yankees have done at the major league level it's exactly what the cubs want to become uh boone uh, sorry, Ross fits that Aaron Boone profile more than uh, a Girardi. Uh, and if this is a team that expects to compete for a World Series title next year, um, I'm wondering if, you know, Girardi is kind of too much in a d- different direction, too much unknown for a group that has over the years repeatedly kind of, you know, brought in these Red Sox Padres guys over and over again and trusted them uh, in big spots. So we'll see. Yeah. If, if you're right, that they're, they're going to push back on this, uh, they weren't talented enough and largely keep the roster intact. If there's not a major addition and at least a big one solid trade, I mean, they need to add pieces. They need to either, they need to bring back Castellanos and shake things up a little bit or, or make a major move. I think that's a huge mistake. Even the Red Sox went out and got JD Martinez when, when they, when they got Alex Cora, brought Alex Cora in, and obviously that was a huge addition. They can't sit still. They can't act like this team was good enough. This team may have been good enough to win the division. It was not. It's not good enough to win the World Series. The roster is not good enough. It's deeply flawed. Uh, the the bullpen. Theo went out. And, Theo said it. If they're going to rely on Craig Kimbrell to come back and be that high leverage guy that they were missing all season, it's it's a joke, and it and it cannot like it can't go overlooked that they're that they're just trying to say the same say different things every offseason and then sticking with the status quo you have to be aggressive to fix some of these holes and you can't just rely on Rowan Wicks and Kyle Ryans and Brad Wicks those are all nice stories and they performed well but those can't be your constant high leverage guys you cannot constantly be relying upon you know unearthing hidden gems it's just not how how it works if you're going to sit at this top tier you have to be aggressive you have to go out and get players you have to go out and develop superstars which they were doing and if they're going to if they've decided that that's not the way they're going to go they're going to continue to fall behind i don't care how much change they make behind the scenes they're not going to catch up to these teams even the astros who don't spend as aggressively they went out and got zach grinky they went out and got garrett cole they went out and got Justin Verlander they got superstars to fill out their rotation and and if you're just going to sit on your hands and wait for those players to show up or develop on your own it's not going to work out the way you hope it hope it is it just doesn't it's not it's not realistic you have to be aggressive and bring them in or uh, figure out better ways to draft and develop those guys 
I, I can't imagine. I mean, I if that's what they do, then it's a ba- another we're, we're headed for another bad winter. I'm sure there will be some change. I'm, I'm curious to see how aggressive it is. And if and like I said, if it's if it's not if they're not thinking outside the box and being more creative, it, it's just going to be more of the same. And, and we're going to be talking about how did they end up at 86 wins in 2020 with all this talent? Oh, look at all this talent. And, and it's still not winning. Hmm, maybe there's something missing. I wonder what it could be. Uh, so that's, that's a uh, suitably this... <laughs> upbeat note to end this podcast. On. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> first thank of the you off for season. listening. <laughs> uh, hopefully we'll have some positive news, maybe a managerial hire in the next couple of weeks. We'll see what the Cubs have for us. Uh, thanks to Brett Taylor, Patrick Mooney. I'm Sahadev Sharma. Thanks to the listeners for listening to onto Waveland, the athletics cub podcast. We appreciate you all. And, uh, we'll talk to you shortly. Take care.